0: KCDM would like to let everyone know that if you haven't had a chance to listen to Pastor's Perspective, the shows are posted on our website, kcdmradio.org, and you can hear Pastor's Perspective anytime you have time to listen to them. Drop into the website and give us a listen. You can hear Pastor's Perspective every evening at 9 o'clock after the Rosary on KCDM. You can also pick up the show at 5 p.m. on Saturdays and 2 p.m. on Sundays.
1: Here's your host.
0: Good evening and welcome. I'm Tony Miller with KCDM, and I'll be your host this evening for Pastor's Perspective albeit a minor role tonight, um, in honor of Father Dennis's uh, farewell Mass and his saying goodbye to everyone last uh, weekend at Masses. We thought it would be a good opportunity to rerun his farewell interview and uh, give you a chance to uh, hear Father Dennis again. So without further ado, here is the Father Dennis farewell interview one more time. Thanks for listening. Father Dennis's time in Burlington is drawing to a close, and we wanted to take some time and talk to Father Dennis about his faith journey that brought him to Divine Mercy Parish in Burlington, Iowa.
1: Well, you know, um, one of the things, when we first started discussing Father Dennis coming to Burlington, it was right after my surgery and my diagnosis, my official diagnosis. And at the time, I was not doing very well. And so, um, Bishop Zinkula asked if we would be willing to take on a, another priest um, here in Burlington to assist um, through the transition. You know, after Father James and I talked, we talked with Miguel and um, from the diocese and Father Hennon, the vicar general, the bishop. We were on a Zoom call together, and we thought this would be a good fit for Father Dennis. And as they say, the rest is history. And <laughs> I'm very appreciative that um, for all the work that Father Dennis has done,
2: we're going to miss you. Well, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. It's been a blast having you here at the parish, Father Dennis, and we look forward to this next month and how many more lives you you can continue to change with your ministry and wish you the best of luck when you head back to Tanzania. Thank you so much. Father Dennis, uh, you have affected people's
0: lives in a way that you're not aware of yet, but you will be within the next month, I'm sure, when people don't realize that the days are drawing short before you leave. I just want to thank you personally for all that you've done for me and for the rest of the clergy here and the people of, of Burlington. Uh, you've become more popular than any of the others of us. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's probably only because you're not officially connected as an administrator of the parish, yes. but uh, people love you and uh, you have been an outstanding example of what a priest is supposed to be. So thank you very much for all you've done for us. No, well, would
1: and just, uh, you know, you always ask news and notes before we start. Mark your calendars, folks. January the 8th, 2023. Following the 1030 Mass, we'll have a little farewell party for Father Dennis over at the St. John Hall.
2: And you won't have to play ping pong to, tell, to let everybody know how good you yes. are at it.
1: If you really want to get on his good side, calling the slam in Tanzania.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Very good. Have a good night,
2: everybody. Have a good night. Absolutely. God bless you.
0: that music from Tanzania? I mean, was it a church celebration yes. or a, it yeah, was a church? The mass, yeah. That was the mass, yeah. Really? Yes. Interesting.
2: It is um, the, the message is, I have finished my journey. I have kept my faith.
0: I have finished the race.
2: I have finished the race. I have a gift in my face.
0: Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, we are. Uh, that was a, a selection of music that Father Dennis pulled up from Mass in Tanzania. Uh, we're going to spend the rest of the show talking to Father Dennis about uh, his experiences with the Church and his experiences as a priest and in the United States, and we'll talk a little bit about how Tanzania and the United States are alike and are different, and we'll have him reflect a little bit on his time here and the Church. We'll just. Jump into it here. What did your spiritual childhood look like in Tanzania?
2: Yeah. Um, first of all, I would like to apologize to the listeners because my throat, my throat is not really good. You know why? It is cold outside. <laughs> but I will try. Yeah. Um, first of all, my childhood. I come first from a family of uh, seven children. Okay. Meaning five boys and two girls, and uh, I am in the middle. So for me, because my mom was a Catholic, my dad is a Catholic, and uh, my grandmother, my grandfather, the whole family, we are Catholics. So we grow into that faith, that atmosphere of faith. If you don't go to church, maybe on a Sunday, you don't have the right to eat. Ah. No, if you don't go to church, there is no lunch. So that is how we grew up when uh, you feel it and uh, you develop into that uh, situation and environment.
0: Your faith and your religion was a part of the family. It was a part of your town. No. No?
2: Yeah, mostly um, you find the families, like in my family, or in my country I'm born, I'm born. The majority are Catholics, so that helps a lot.
0: Now you're originally from Burundi, yes. correct? Mm-hmm. And that is a Catholic country? Yes. And Tanzania is not so much a Catholic country? Yeah, it is,
2: but compared to Burundi, Tanzania is is less Catholic.
0: It's less Catholic, okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, talk a little bit about Tanzania. Is it a rich country, a poor country? Is it urban, rural, a mixture? Does it have... Uh, Big cities, small towns like the United States, or is it?
2: Oh my gosh, it is a combination of so many things. Okay. You can be in one town and you are confused whether you are in Chicago or you are in Tanzania. Those are big towns. But uh, in other places, like in rural areas, for sure, those are the poor areas. So Tanzania is a developing country. It is really progressing well. world.
0: So it's a developing country. It's not as 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 rich as the United States. No, 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 And the poor in Tanzania are really poor, not like the poor in the United States.
2: No, they live under one dollar a day.
0: One dollar a day. Yes. Okay, that's mm-hmm. that's poor.
2: But not everyone. Some are really even rich more than anybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how did that time in your life influence your decision to become a priest? Your vocation.
2: Yeah, because of that background of my, my family, even my, my peers, it becomes easier to continue the, my vocation. For example, in my parish, we have a, a club. And that club is to train people, especially the youth, to know your vocation, to know whether you have a vocation to become a priest, or if you have no vocation. So it is a moment in that club, we go there when you are in the primary school and you grow in, You grow also into that club. At the end you can see this is not my vocation, this is my vocation.
0: Okay, so they start in, in Tanzania, in Burundi, they start grooming and, and asking the questions and seeing if you're called to be a priest or if you're called to a vocation. I imagine, and now are the girls? Do they have a similar thing to yeah, become yeah, nuns? And? Yeah, the
2: group, the the club is of girls and boys. Okay, and the pastors are the ones who are taking care of it as just pastoral, one of the pastoral activities of the parish.
0: Interesting. So, after you became a priest, um, what kind of assignments did you have in Tanzania, and and how did that how did that influence your desire? Did you have a desire to come to America, to the United States, or how did that whole thing come about?
2: Yeah, my my um, activities after my ordination are really are really complex because immediately after my ordination, I was appointed to be uh, like a president or elector or a representative of a formation house or a propedetic seminary where candidates. To priesthood, stay for one year of spiritual meditation. Oh, okay. So they stay there. There is no assignment. There are no examinations for the whole year. It is silence and prayer. Hmm. So there, when I was, that was my first appointment, and I did that from, I think, two thousand and nine. To 2015.
0: Oh, six years. Yeah. So, is, is this something that the, the students in your club, if they thought that they had a calling to be a priest or a vocation, then they would go to the spiritual. Yes. And, and spend a year yes. to further develop that.
2: You are right. After high school and/or uh, after universities, you have to come back into that formation house. And it is really tough because if it is not your vocation, you cannot stay for the whole year. Mm. Because you will see that this is my journey, this is not my journey. And I heard also the Pope is trying to ask the Church in America to introduce this, this, this program of a seminary. Oh, that will be wonderful if it can take place. Because, you know, you have people from different backgrounds, from different families... From different level of faith, so when they stay there for one year, it is a time to shape them before they go to the major seminary.
0: Okay, so it's a it's a chance to give them a better foundation.
2: Oh yes, you are right.
0: To 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 um, build their house upon or build their vocation upon.
2: Yeah, because some come, they don't know the basics of the Catholic faith because maybe they grew up in a college or they didn't get time to go in the seminary or a school or... Or maybe their families weren't school. as
0: religious as yours were.
2: Yeah, something like that. So when they come there, of course they learn. It doesn't mean that they don't learn. They learn and they grow spiritually. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Other responsibilities, which I did, I was doing that... Also being the a director.
0: Oh, for the whole, for the diocese?
2: Yeah, for the diocese.
0: Is, is Tanzania broken up into parishes, dioceses, mm-hmm. just like the United States? Yeah. That's a, a pretty universal thing then?
2: Yeah, yeah. And also I was the Confessor and the Retreat Master of the Sisters of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Really? Yeah. So I was doing those three ministries. But on the top of that, I was also the coordinator of one Germany youth organization working in my diocese. That organization sends the youth from Germany to our diocese and they like five each year and they stay for the whole year hmm. doing some activities in the diocese. But they come back and they stay with me. You were coming back and staying their home, which was, of course, my compound. So those were too much to me, but I don't know how I, I did it.
0: I was going to say, and this was all right after you you were ordained a priest? Yes. So you were kind of out of the frying pan right into the fire. You didn't get a whole lot of time to no. even do, <laughs> develop no. your skills as a priest. I remember even
2: one day I went to the bishop and the, the idea was to design. <laughs> Because I asked the bishop, Bishop, can you give me someone to assist me? And they said, I'm thinking about it. And I said, man, this is too much. I went to the bishop planning to resign to or do something or tell him that if you don't give me someone, please find another person. But I did not say it. <laughs> I did not.
0: Well, the bishop obviously had bigger plans for you.
2: I know, I know. It is too tough.
0: Africa in general is seeing a a big growth in the Catholic population there. Why do you think that is?
2: That is a wide question, but I think one big answer which can summarize so many things is the focus on the family.
0: Okay.
2: In any parish, in any diocese, there is what we call Family apostolate mm-hmm. at the parish level, dinner level, and the seasonal level, we do have those family apostolate. And how do, do how do they work? You focus on the family, you empower the family because the family will go ahead and empower the children. So that is oh, one. okay. So because if the family doesn't have a stronger faith, it becomes even hard for the children really to do something. And also uh, education of, religious education of children. Really, that is tough. You have to make sure that really this candidate is ready for communion or is ready for confirmation. If he's not ready and he fails the examination for communion, he goes back and they begin again.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Examination for communion? Oh, yes. They have to take a test? Oh, yes.
2: Oh, yes. Seriously? You have to do a test of catechesis, the whole catechism of the Catholic Church. That is what we use to teach uh, the kids, for example, for communion. So there are parts which are reserved for communion candidates. You teach them, you make sure, you help them, you guide them, and they do a test. Those who succeed, they will get communion. Those who do not, they go back and and they study.
0: Keep studying until they can pass the test. Yes. That is a radical departure from what we do in the United States.
2: Wow. And you know why we do that? There's no bad intention. Because when you give, maybe, communion to a, a, a young kid who is not really formed into that sacrament, which is so huge, mm-hmm. it doesn't help him anything.
0: And are all the are all the sacraments that way? Then is is uh, confirmation that way? Confession oh, yes. that oh, way? yes, oh yes. And there's a there's a test before each one of those for confirmation? sacraments for confirmation. Oh yes. What about confession?
2: Even confession is part of those questions, and the examination is done by the catechist.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, but
2: also. The pastor has his own time to prove that those who have passed the test have really passed the test are really good to candidate.
0: Interesting. Yeah. The the Christianity in the United States is seeing a polar opposite pattern from Africa. I mean the, the Christianity in the United States, I think the latest statistic I heard was that forty percent of the population are atheists or agnostics at least. Do you believe that the attack on the family in the United States? No fathers in the home, abortion. Uh, is, is that part of the reason for that? or?
2: I think it is a combination of so many things. Because, you know, the church is not an, an independent entity. Mm-hmm. The church is part of the society. Okay. So if the society is affected, even the church is affected. Okay. So what is affecting the society penetrates into the church to the point that even those who are members of the church they are affected, but they don't know even that they are affected. Many of them because it is a kind of assimilation. For example, you can preach about abortion. For example, and someone comes and says, "Father, how can you preach like that?" or another just topic. You cannot say like that. That means. That person is a Catholic, but he which has been assimilated into the secular culture, and he doesn't see any longer the the light of Christ through that priest.
0: So it becomes a relative moralism that comes into the church?
2: So someone then starts to make, as we have been saying, his own church. I want the church, but I don't like this. I wanted the Catholic Church, but I don't like this. Now that becomes a big challenge.
0: It's like Father James was talking about in the Gospel discussion about, I like the Jesus who's love your neighbor as yourself and that, but I don't like the Jesus who is turning over the tables in the temple.
2: Yeah, I like even in history. I have been reading the history of this country. People have passed this through many things. Mm-hmm. Like when you read about the sexual evolution, oh my goodness, so many things happened. Which are not compatible with the Catholic Church. Right. So I really understand the reason of some of many things. At the beginning, I was like, wow, wow, wow. But now I know the background. I know why people are the way they are. There are so many things, and we need even to pray for them because it is too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about marriage preparation and marriage in Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it sounds like it's obviously more serious in Tanzania than that marriage is taken more seriously in Tanzania than it is here. How does marriage prep compare in Tanzania to marriage preparation in the United States?
2: First of all, when you become a couple for marriage prep, we advise to see if you are really a Catholic. We go back to communion, Okay. we go back to confirmation those topics, to see if you are really mature and strong in faith. So uh, marriage becomes a way like, to revive the faith of somebody. Okay. And the second, something which is very, very much focused on, is really to make the couple see that this is a sacrament in which Christ is the witness. So it is not, people don't know even that there is abs- a dissolution or whatever. Maybe marriages. People don't have that idea. That comes as an outcome, but mostly they know marriage is forever. Mm-hmm. Of course, there are cases, but that idea of a sacrament is very important. And it takes time to prepare them. It depends on the pastors sometimes, but it takes time.
0: Just quickly, baptism in Tanzania, do you baptize babies, or do you wait till they're of age, of reason, or? Babies. Baptize babies?
2: Yeah, babies. <coughs> <coughs> so, it depends sometimes, but then is the age of baptism.
0: What about confessions in Tanzania? Are, are, are confessions in Tanzania wildly different than they are in the United States?
2: Yeah, uh, it depends on the places now. Because I can see a kind of influence in some places when you say that we have a confession on Saturday. Oh my goodness, that day is just for that. You cannot plan or do any other activity. It will be for confession. But in other places, it is like here. You call people for confession. They come 10, 20, 30, but not a big number. So it depends on the place.
0: And how often you have confession uh-huh. scheduled there, I suppose.
2: Yeah, so there is a similarity and also a bit of difference.
0: difference. Um, a couple of weeks ago, well maybe a month or two ago, we, we talked about uh, respect for life mm-hmm. and when we were talking about that, they mentioned, uh, you mentioned that uh, having an abortion in Africa is against the law.
2: Yes. If we take it to the level of the law, it it might not even uh, bring the, the weight which it has because people can uh, play with the law. I mean the laws and they do what they want. But it is not. I can say it is not part of our culture. That's the point. When you talk about it and even these all moral issues, people are like wow. What what are you talking about? So that helps a lot because. You know, the church has its, its roots. Mm-hmm. And when you break away the roots of the church, including moral values, we don't have the church.
0: When you erode the foundation, the, the everything else crumbles. Yes. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the rest of your time here in the United States. Oh, yes. What are you looking forward to when you get back to Tanzania?
2: I can't wait. First of all... Um, I have stayed here for six years now,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and now my mind is telling me, well I'm like divided. I want to go back home, Mm -hmm. but I have made families here, I have made friends here, some people are telling me further, we will come to visit you, we will come to visit you. Okay, that is fine, so I'm like divided, but mostly really I'm excited. Okay. Because I need to go and apply what I have learned into my place where I was born, where I was brought up, and also help the community and apply the skills which I have now.
0: So what are some of the things that you have learned or acquired or that that you're going to take back and put to work when you get back home?
2: You will be surprised, but one of the things... I might focus on, in different ways, is the aspect of humility. Sometimes we say, oh, we are humble. We are are not in many ways.
0: We in the United States, you mean?
2: Even at home.
0: Even at home. Okay.
2: Because the humility we talk about sometimes is not the humility of Christ, it is the humility which we have in our minds. Okay. So what I want to say, I'm going to teach the people, to teach, I mean, in various ways, the need of having a servant leader in the church. To be a servant leader, whether you are a pastor, be a servant. Whether you are a bishop, be a servant. Whether you are a a member or a family member, be a servant. And that changes a lot.
0: Whether you're a parishioner, be a servant.
2: Whether you are a CEO, whoever, be a servant. You will change the world, I tell you.
0: Very good. What are what are some of the things you're going to miss about the United States, about Burlington?
2: Okay, maybe food. I will miss pork ribs.
0: Pork ribs.
2: I will miss pork ribs. That is my favorite. I will miss chicken, chicken tenders. <laughs> uh-huh. I will miss buffalo wild wings. <laughs> and that is on the side of, uh, of food. But also, I miss, for example, the company here of my priests. We have been like brothers. Mm-hmm. We live together. We share everything. We share the sorrows. We share the joy every day from Monday to Monday. So this is something really which has touched my life and which has touched me, and many people have been asking me, "Father, where do you live at Saint John's? Do you have two apartments?" No, we have one apartment. Now, do you live in the same apartment? Being three priests, I say yes. Hmm, how can you do that? <laughs> so you see, my um, stay here and the life, my life and my fellow priest here, has been a kind of yeah, a learning moment to even to other people.
0: Well, I know that there are a lot of people who are going to miss you when you leave. Yeah, I know. Uh, It's been a joy having you here. I know that for sure.
2: Sometimes it is hard to tell for me. But like today, I met one person. I don't like to mention his name. But uh, when he saw me, he came further. I heard you are leaving in January. On the, I think, the 11th. Mm -hmm. And they said, we will miss you. We will miss you, and when he said that, he wanted like to cry. Mm-hmm. So I saw that feeling, and I said, hmm, "Okay." Um,
0: so you have truly touched the parishioners here too. So
2: okay, you, you are the witness <laughs> <laughs> because I can't tell.
0: All right. Well, we're running out of time, so uh, can you uh, do a closing blessing for us?
2: Yeah, um, because this is, is special to. To Tanzania, so let me close uh, our show in the Tanzanian style. So I I sing the song of uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and uh, we pray together the prayer of Hail Mary, okay? All right. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Salamu Maria, salamu. Salamu Bikira Maria.
0: Now and at and the hour of our, of our death.
2: death. Amen. Amen. May the seat of wisdom pray, pray for, for us, St. Tony. Pray, pray for us, St. Dennis. Pray, pray for, for us, all the saints. Pray, pray for, for us. May the souls of the faithful pray. departed through the mercy of God rest Christian. in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Father. Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Father Dennis. It truly has been uh, a pleasure Thank
2: doing the so interview much. and talking to you. Yeah, I was afraid because of my cough. <laughs> I cold.
0: No, it worked out. So that does it for this week's show and our discussion with Father Dennis as he prepares to conclude his time in America and head back to his home diocese in Africa. I hope to be able to round up the posse once again and get them uh, around the table at St. John's Rectory uh, next week. Uh, so that we can have a, an interview uh, and a new show. Uh, the plan right now is to talk about all of the things that we missed uh, during the Christmas season and Advent, uh, and kind of uh, talk a little bit about the future and about the, what the coming year holds at uh, Divine Mercy Parish.